Taking our summer break, we had a child, one of us is getting married, uh, but we persist. We're not here to talk about balloons today, student ticket prices, Josh Belk, or Urban Meyer. We are here to talk about Clemson football, as fall camp has broken and the Clemson Tigers are set to kick off the 2018 football season. Cody, a lot of excitement this time of year. Uh, I know we've taken a little bit of break. We talked a little bit of football, had our roundtable episode back in July, but it's time to get into it, man. We're going to be here week by week talking uh, football, and we've got a pretty exciting season ahead of us. Uh, how are you feeling going into this year? I feel great. We've talked about it already, and I, we, we compared the different seasons going back to 16 to 15, and that's when the podcast started, and we've had a great run. I think most of the success of the Clemson program can be attributed to the podcast and it's Genesis. We've gone to the, we've made the college football playoff all three years that we've podcasted. Yeah, one championship. So, anyhow, so. I predict a fourth and second. But, but like, just backing up for a second, because when you introed, you said that we had a child. I just want to make it clear that you and I did not have a child. Totally had a child. Him and his wife, their, their second child, another son. And I'm losing, I'm forgetting the name. George. George, what a power name. Like, it never goes out. It just never goes George, out of style. something with a P. Tully. George P. Tully. Yeah. Congratulations to them. Very happy for them. Thomas Patrick Tully is a big brother now. Congratulations to him. That's right. So he's got two sons. I, I don't know if Tully has that kind of football athleticism. I don't suspect they'll be playing football for Clemson, but track and field. You don't know how Danielle's side of the family, how athletic they are. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the very least, we're hoping for like, you know, track and field, a Clemson, couple Clemson grads in the future. Anyhow. So, so but real quick, you know, Tully was actually smart this time around. First child, Thomas, born in November and right around the Florida State game that year. This year, he gets it ahead of time, ahead of the football season. That is from strategic planning on the other side of it, our buddy Graham, who actually participated on the first ever podcast, his kid, his second child is set to come in January. And that's pretty poor timing on his part. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he knows we, we're going to be busy in January. These are things that, like, only once you're 30, you start thinking about, or at least on, like, I think our 25 and younger demo, we've lost them already, uh, you know, two minutes into this episode. But yeah, you know, great, you know, credit to Tully for knowing how to stagger the his offspring delivery. Is that is that the PC way of saying it? Don't know, not a dad. Okay, so we're happy for Tully, but yeah, this, all right. Let's go back to the, the Clemson Tigers and this team. I'm very excited. We've compared it to the, the different the four year run. We, we you know we keep it in that context or that use that comparison because it just makes sense. 
And for me, I think it's, I've said 16 and it, it's not the same as 16. We were, we, we, I would say that was a top heavy team for obvious reasons. The talent, just unbelievable generational talent at certain positions, not quite the same. I think there's more talent throughout and a couple more question marks, but ultimately I think the upside of this team is higher just because of the, the depth special teams will be much improved and, and, uh, that defensive line might be one of the best uh, ever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, going back to 2015 season, we went into that year. You're going into Sean Watson's second year. You feel good going into that season, but you still don't have Clemson uh, winning a national championship or even really going to the national championship that year. Um, but lo and behold, I mean, that team, Deshaun Watson, more or less carried um, us to the national championship game and, and, and damn near won it. Special teams let us down. The back end of the defense let us down a little bit. Transition that into 2016, we're feeling really good about that team. Deshaun Watts is coming back for his third and final year, and you think we're going to breeze through the season, uh, get in the national championship game, hopefully play Bama again and beat him. Well, the season didn't go quite as easy as we had hoped. There was a lot of close games. Deshaun Watson uh, was um, he had some trouble with interceptions. Clemson uh, was battling itself a lot that exactly. season. Exactly. Um, and and expect, they were battling expectations a right. lot that and then, season. But, but we end up winning it all, and he transitioned that into uh, – to 2017, John Watson's gone. You got Kelly Bryant. Our expectations are lowered for that team. Um, and we made the playoff. Yeah, we make and we make the playoff and coming out of nowhere. Nobody expected that. Kelly Bryant had a, you know, with all his flaws, he still had a phenomenal year. He played above our expectations. Um, and we didn't expect to get back to the playoff can, last year. Can we say this? Like, like looking at, let's remove the quarterback position. Just remove it all together. And you look at just the kind of the, the composition of, of the depth chart of, of the, the roster as a whole, and you look at 15, and you just saw it, it. It didn't grow a lot. A lot of 15 was very similar to 16 in terms of players. You lost a few guys. You lost to Zach Lawson, but you got a Cleveland Pharrell. A lot of it was similar. but And then I think 17, the roster got a, even better. Uh, throughout I and mean, we think like that some people are like no that's not true we, we didn't we perceive that it definitely did on defense i think there was a little bit of disappointing year for the offensive line and the wide receivers um well bit. there's a reason everything's interconnected so let's, right. let's don't go down that track we, we'll go down a rabbit hole we'll talk all day about that but i think like on paper talent got better across the depth chart and i think 18 this coming year is kind of the culmination of just you see this like upper you look at the recruiting rankings and we're going to talk about recruiting later this episode it's just a combination of a lot of good players arriving and using the depth chart um, starting to stack up certain players returning, as we all know. And and I think that that's what this is. Yeah. And now we put the quarterback into the equation and things start to make sense. And that becomes obviously the wild card. But we got to we got to like got got to like what you see in terms of just sheer talent, sheer numbers across the depth chart on this 18 squad. Well, that's where I stand. I mean, back in 2017, the thing is there, you lose a generational talent at quarterback. That's going to be hard for any team to overcome, no matter how much talent you have. Shifting into 2018 now, we have a purported uh, generational talent coming in in Trevor Lawrence. Now, we're going to get a lot of people, and all of us, including us, are going to get caught up in the quarterback battle and the – the, all the hype uh, surrounding Trevor Lawrence, but we haven't seen him play it down in college football yet outside of the spring game, which doesn't count, right? That's going to favor quarterbacks. Um, but leading into 2018, even if Trevor Lawrence is not on the mix, you've seen Kelly Bryant progress every single year that he's been on this football team, and the talent around him has gotten better. We're going to going in this year, we're going to be better on defense. Those four guys coming back across the line, we should be better on offense. We have a solid set of starters at offensive line, a little bit of depth issue, we'll get to that. 
uh, the wide receivers are going to be much improved and the running back should be improved. And then special teams should be uh, more improved from last year. So this is finally the first season where I think without a doubt in my mind uh, that Clemson should get into the college football playoff again and has a real chance to be a dominant team, the likes of which we have not seen before. That 2016 team did not dominate people. I expect this 18 team to dominate people. I, I do too. I mean, the schedule lends itself lends itself to a lot of dominating, a lot of games that are going to end in the first, in the second or third quarters. And I know every Clemson fan, and we have our own friends. We know dozens of Clemson fans that are like, no, no, I never. I never, um, you know, I never think we're going to win. We're going to win it all. I never, I never, you know, put the, the cart before the horse and fair enough, you know, good for you. Set your expectations low. And that's, it's, I guess that's a, you know, way you can, you know, live your life, but that's not what's happening in 18. Like that's not what's going on. No. Like, what What's happening, happening is this is a damn good team. There's only two teams that are even close in terms of tiers in college football. The other is Alabama. No big surprise there. Um, you couldn't, and, and I don't even know that Alabama's, uh, you know, from one to eighty-five, as good as Clemson, especially with the top in talent. And and no, no, Alabama has enough going for it that it's going to be favored. And sure enough, it it, it is, and they, they could win it all, and that would be no big surprise. But I'm just saying, this is a good Clemson football team, the best that we've seen in this four-year span. So don't think of this as just another year where Dabo's doing great things. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the best that we've seen. I mean, on paper, this team should win it all without a doubt. Now, football's not played on paper. But when you take a look at it, the, the thing that this team has is a couple things. Immense depth at many different positions um, where, where we haven't had that depth in the past. I mean, really talented depth. Um, the other thing is leadership. Last year's team maybe lacking a little bit of leadership. This year's team, all four guys on the defensive line coming back. You've got experienced linebacker Kendall Joseph. You've got experienced guys in the in the secondary. The few of them that there may be, and that's the defensive side of the ball on offense. You got an experienced offensive line. You got Kelly Bryant, who uh, one thing you can't take away from him is how great of a leader he is. We hear thing, good things about Trevor Lawrence. Um, you've got season wide receivers, and you've got season running backs. I mean, there's experience and depth on this team, and we all know about the talent. The stars are aligning for this to be a very dominating year. Get excited. That's all I'm saying. And I think you agree with that. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're, we're going to go into this season and, you know, I, I think um, something that I'm actually kind of surprised about us in years past, as we've tended to take off the orange tinted glasses going into the year and we haven't overhyped or oversold the Clemson Tigers. I think we've actually underpredicted uh, the last few seasons of how we would do. Um, I think this year is going to be, I think we're going to accurately, accurately predict, but I don't think we're overhyping this team. I think it's legitimate. Now we will scrutinize, uh, where needed and we will, uh, criticize uh, coaches and player players when appropriate. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't objectively look at this team and be like, damn, they're going to be good. Right. And like, yeah, we, all of our stuff's on SoundCloud or iTunes, where, wherever, go I'm the most cynical of all of us. I picked eight and three or uh, nine and three last year. Like we're, we're very, I will, you know, we try to be objective. I think we may have all picked us to miss the playoff last year. Yeah. Like this is, this is not Clemson Homerism. And if, and we have some people that come from other teams, not a lot, but we have other uh, fans from other schools that come to listen to this podcast and they're probably wanting to learn about Clemson. Well, 
we're going to be damn good. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. It's in of the last four years where we've reached new heights. This is the best team I've seen so far. We could not field an offense and get through our regular season schedule unscathed with just the, the immense talent on the defense coming back. Right. It, well, you there'll, know, there'll you, be enough pick sixes there just to give the ball back and make teams. BT Potter well, kicks yeah, out or make teams drive 75 yards on this defense. It's going to be tough. Not to, not to go like a long-winded on the defense, because we could talk about that for the whole show, but th- th- this is probably, like, if you want to look at Brent Venable's defenses, uh, 14, which is, you know, that that's notable because it was the, that was when we were the number one defense in the country. And I, I would say that was, it was kind of the hallmark. It was the, the new heights of, of Clemson, uh, Clemson D. And that was before we hit uh, the, the championship run or the playoff run. But I would say uh, I would say this last year had um, an upside that 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 rivaled the 2014's defense. The only difference was that it the defensive line didn't have the depth to uh, to to play at that level. And like you can look at any game, uh, particularly NC State and Syracuse is two shining examples of like whenever we got to, you know an opposing team could sustain a drive, we were we were just we were gassed by, the, of, by the end of, of the drive. A lot of big plays. More big plays, and then um, I, I think this year, looking at what we brought in and what's going on, I think there's more depth on the defensive line. There's guys that are returning from injury, so I, I think the things are changing. Uh, and this, this, like what we didn't have last year, it's been added to the fold. Yeah, so really shaping up to be a, a really bright year, a great season coming up for the Clemson Tigers. A lot of things to be positive and excited about. Um, as we get further into this episode, we're gonna kind of focus in on the incoming freshmen and what impact uh, they stand to have this year. You know, it's the beginning of fall camp, so there's a lot of storylines still yet to play out. So we can kind of speculate on what's going to happen, but I think we more want to talk about, let's focus on these freshmen, because a lot of them, honestly, over the next few weeks are going to kind of fade away once they hit the grind. Um, And then also we'll we'll wrap this episode up touching a little bit on recruiting. Um, The All-In Cookout, we had that recently, um, a couple of big storylines there. Um, and the big, you know, the, the recruiting machine that is the Clemson Tigers and their recruiting staff, it keeps rolling on. But before we get to that, let's focus here real quick on some storylines of the different position groups uh, throughout this football team that we're going to be watching for in fall camp. Um, I think the obvious place to start is the quarterback battle. Let's not go too in-depth into this because, again, Trevor Lawrence has not, hasn't played it down to college football. There's a lot to be played out here in August and over the course of the season. Uh, but what do you take away right now um, based on what everybody is saying, what everybody's expecting versus how you feel? Yeah, it's nothing sexy. And everyone want, I mean, everyone's looking for hot takes or they want to know that it, some kind of binary outcome of it's either Kelly Bryant or it's Trevor Lawrence. And honestly, I think what the coaches are saying, and there is a lot of coach speak right now. God knows we've heard it. If And you, if you looked at any Clemson media, you've seen it. But I, I think they're being honest and what they're saying is probably right. We talked about it on the offseason. It still holds true. They're doing a two-man QB system. Who who gets the majority of the snaps will be decided by who performs best on the field. You have you, you know you've said Trevor Lawrence hasn't played a down of college football. True. I don't think that I think he, I don't think he's he's far from a bust. Uh, I, I don't I, I think that matters less. I think he'll be just fine. I think he's going to be as great as advertised. Um, how how fast he gets there, we'll, we'll you know we'll find out soon. But I, I think it, it just like the way things are set up with Kelly Bryant's running style, the way he takes so much, uh, so many hits and so it, so much violence from running so much, twenty plus carries a game. It just it, it makes sense to have a guy that can come in. Now, is the inverse true where 
where Trevor Lawrence can be the guy that's doing the the eighty twenty on that distribution, maybe. But even him, he has a, he's kind of frail. He's gained some weight. I think he's at two. I think he's north of two hundred now, which 205. is two hundred five, which is needed weight for him. But you also don't like there's there's a bit of a safety blanket in Bryant. It works both ways. Uh, just in because he he is in a freshman body, he'll be, be like by next year, his body will be different and probably you know ready to to withstand the rigors. But I'm not sure that it can, and that's probably the. And honestly, at this point, the, the two-man quarterback system probably presents the best of both worlds. And it's not just coach speak. I think it's I think it's legit. Right. And then what season since Todd Boyd have we had a quarterback go all year without getting injured, playing every every down that he was available? Right. And Kelly Bryant, like he had to run last year, and he'll he'll have and to. He got injured, and he'll we have lost to run this game. year. Yeah. Like I'm sorry, T. Higgins can't solve all your problems. Like he's going to be running this year. He's got to. Well, I mean, that, that that's clearly the his valuable asset and the thing that he has above um, Trevor Lawrence. Now, that being said, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence has shown the ability to run. He can scramble. Um, he just he didn't need to in high school. Why would you? Why would you put him at risk of getting injured when he can just toss the ball downfield uh, and complete any pass he wants to? I think he had like 40 touchdowns to one interception last year. Why would he run? Yeah, and not to get too much in the weeds in terms of like running. When we say run uh, for Kelly Bryant, it's a it's a zone read option. Like he he might he may run with it, but it's it, or it could be a design run. But there's going to be a lot of those with him where he he's going to be running like a running back the way that and a running he's back. He's got to be able to throw too, so they don't focus in on that. You have to be more dynamic, or they're going to lock you down and you're gonna be out of a job. Right, right. Yeah, you're right. But with Kelly Bryant, it's 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 starting like a little bit you're leaning on the run uh in order to create things in the passing game and with trevor lawrence it's the opposite and his running is not going to be design runs as much he'll, he'll do some zone read stuff they'll give him some chance to roll out but they're not going to ask him to go run at a linebacker the way they will kelly bryant so his is going to be more scrambling finding yards whenever he spreads the field and he's got t higgins on a, on a you know he's got safety help and the, the defense is spread that's when he's going to find his 10 or 15 yards upfield how many um designed plays or formations do you anticipate where we see Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence on the field at the same time? They, remember, like, they used to do that with when Kelly Bryant would come in, they would take Deshaun Watson, remember? Right. And we never found out why. They put him as a wide receiver out wide in the boundary. I think just get his – they, they It was something in like they wanted yeah. to put on film – and I don't know what it was for, so maybe we find that out. Maybe the miss for this year. <laughs> <laughs> it was like fantastic foresight on the coaching staff a couple years ago to do that. Um, Playing the long game, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Again, a, a, there's a lot left to be played out here. Um, we've got to give Kelly Bryant the benefit of the doubt. He's improved tremendously uh, every year he's been here. He played well above our expectations last year. Um, nothing. Nothing more to add. We'll see. I mean, two-man system, yeah, it's, and it's fluid, right? Yeah. Well, and I, I think part of that is logical. Listen, we lost three quarterbacks in the offseason. We've got three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster now. You have to, even if you are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Trevor Lawrence is your guy, you have to make Kelly Bryant like keep his head in there and, and buy into it because you cannot afford to, for him to go. Agree. I mean, I, I like what Chase Bryce can could be next year as a backup. Yeah. I like Kelly Bryant as my 1A, 1B, or just number two guy this year. Based on what we saw last year, Kelly Bryant this year with this defense and the improved tools on offense could take us to the national championship game. Whether or not he could win it, that's another story. He could be part of a team that gets us there. We don't know about Trevor Lawrence. We can't anticipate about Trevor Lawrence, but we know what we have in Kelly Bryant, and if he improves, we know how good we can be. Agreed. I'll leave it at that. There's other... 
other sexy storylines we can get to. Well, let's talk about some of uh, some of his weapons there. One is the wide receiver group, and you've heard the coaches talk about here in fall camp early on that can't pinpoint the passing game or the lack thereof last year on Kelly Bryant alone. Uh, part of that starts with the wide receiver group and not performing. You know, as good as Deion Kane is, and we're hearing he's actually showing out pretty well in fall camp here in the NFL, which congratulations to him. We, we hope nothing but the best. Um, but – you know, there wasn't that top-end wide receiver last year. There was a drop-off from Mike Williams. And Deion King was your guy. He had flashy plays. He was very valuable, but he dropped a lot of balls. Um, so looking at this wide receiver group this year, as deep as they are, you got T. Higgins coming back. This will be his second year. you got DeAndre Overton um, and Trevion Thompson. They're starting that nine position, and that like buries Justin Ross, um, which is a great problem to have. And yet Justin Ross is going to see the field. It's uh yeah I I don't think you ever will bury Justin Ross because I think he's he's right there with T Higgins if not maybe a small step behind him in terms of raw talent but it was very telling what the coaches said about the position group last year and, and we kind of knew this and they kept it under wraps a little bit you had two the two five star guys not to not to throw dirt on them because I I like both of them and, uh, and we're talking about Deion Kane and, and Rory McLeod but they did they were a little bit more high maintenance than uh, what t- Clemson typically brings in and inconsistent. And inconsistent, so they had not just high maintenance from like a personality standpoint, which that might may have been true to some degree, but also high maintenance from a coaching standpoint because neither one of them played wide receiver as five star athletes coming out of Florida. One uh, Deion can play quarterback, Rary played uh, running back, so th- they were coaching them to be wide receivers while coaching them to, to stay uh, to stay you know level headed. And you saw those deficiencies play out in kind of their technique. I mean. Deion right. Kane was not the same type of wide receiver as Mike Williams. He didn't go up and get the wall like Mike Williams did. The other side, Raven McLeod, he just didn't have that instinct, same instinct as, say, Artavis Scott. Right, and I, and I did like Ray Ray by his junior year, but we won't get into that. We'll, um, but, yeah, you're exactly right with, with Deion Kane. And I think – and also what Coach uh, Sweeney was talking about, too, was just the, the group as a whole. He was talking about having to coach the young guys, talking about – DeAndre Overton and and T Higgins as a freshman, like a hundred and seventy five pound freshman. I don't, he was a little bit more than that, but uh, but now they these guys have come along a year. Uh, Amari Rogers, it seems like he's been on the roster for four years already, but second year. But he's things are clicking. He's got a year in the system. He said it's the best looking group they've seen in a while, and I don't this. Like it's wide receiver. You, I don't. They don't. They wouldn't ever. They would never toss out that type of hype preseason if they didn't feel it to be true. And if, if let's see, if we could compare this group on paper, and let's do it because it's. I don't care if it's conjecture. I don't care if it's speculation. It's fun to do it. I would say it does rival 2012 on paper, production wise. A long way to go. And if you if you want to know back, go back to 2012. You're talking about uh, Nuke as a junior, Sammy as a sophomore. You have Adam Humphreys. Uh, sophomore Sean Peach, sophomore Artavis Bright, sophomore uh, and Jerron Brown. I think was a senior. Well, I'll tell you the way in which uh, this year's wide receiver core does differ from that 2012 team, and that's Hunter Renfro. You're just gonna leave me with that? Yeah, I'm just gonna drop that there for you. So you just drop the mic, chew on that, um, and then we'll move on. Um, yeah. So the running backs, you know, veteran group back. We kind of know what to expect from them. Uh, or what we should expect from them, and that is Feaster. We need to see improvement this year with him. And ETN, I'm just excited to see what he can do with knowledge of the playbook. Yeah, he, he's, I mean, he put on weight, and they said he wore down. That's the, You start to hear these little things that you did not, you absolutely did not hear last year. You did not hear that Dexter Lawrence was playing at 50%. You could see he was playing like at less than 100, and you couldn't tell that ETN was wearing down 
Um, maybe you could tell a little bit, but he he was he was taking some hits at 100. Uh, for like for reference, this guy's like six feet tall. It's pretty tall for a running back, and he's playing at 185 pounds. Like he needs to get to at least 200, and that's that's good weight. Um, you got Adam Choice at 5'10", 220. You know, 20 more pounds of muscle like that. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long season. You're gonna take some hits, especially especially given Etienne's running style. I think he's out of the box. He just runs right at people. So um, I'm I'm excited with him. At I think he's at is he at two hundred five, two ten? I think he's at two hundred five. Yeah, that's after, a, that's good for him, and he's probably it's probably good for him because he'll ma- maintain a lot of that speed. I'm actually I'm worried about Choice. That's that's his highest weight since his freshman year when he really slowed well, down. Well, see, a bit. I'm actually excited to see Choice this year. You know, a lot of people forget how talented he was coming in. Uh, was really beset by injuries and had some unfortunate. Um, things happen there, but, uh, you know, I'm glad the kid is stuck with it. I'm really excited to do what, what, I mean, he's going to get a lot of carries, got a lot of carries last year. You know, this, he came on a lot. Yeah. Last I year. mean, we look good. We'll, we'll run three guys consistently. And if four guys that are worthy are there, they'll put four guys out there. Not to mention, we expect to be ahead by a lot in a lot of games and might turn it over to the ground game late in games. So, um, choice, let's see again, one of these guys goes down, like you definitely want a two back system. Um, choice is the guy that steps in there. Um, uh, as far as the offensive line is concerned, uh, as we mentioned, we got a veteran group there. We expect a lot of good things out of them this year. The question for them really is the, the depth um, that they can build. Does, do guys like Cade Stewart, Blake Vinson, um, Noah DeHond, Matt Bockhorst, do those guys step up and actually make a move this year? and become reliable second-string guys, uh, maybe even on the verge of being able to move into the starting position as we move in into next year. Um, of course, we got Jackson Carmen coming in. He lost some weight. We'll talk about him shortly. We'll see what he can do. But I think it's really the depth. The coaches are really confident. Robbie Caldwell is really confident with the starting five they have out there. Um, so we'll see how the depth develops. Um, so the last position on the offense that is worth looking at is the tight end position. So something that we've really missed and missed last year uh, was the uh, the loss of Jordan Leggett. And Garrett Williams was big, too, because he was your blocking tight end. Jordan uh, Jordan Leggett, we all know what he can do in the passing game. Uh, we did not get that out of Mylon Richard last year. Um, you know, he caught some balls. He was serviceable. He was different. We look to see improvement with him this year. Uh, but we get Garrett Williams back, and that's huge. I agreed. I, I think, uh, especially with Kelly Bryan, if you do go with him as a starter, you need you need Garrett Williams. Uh, you need him blocking on the outside. And I think we had enough issues as it was at wide receiver blocking. And, you know, all you know, all hell Hunter Renfro, like, I know you love the guy, but he's not a great, he's not going to be great at the slot and blocking situation. He doesn't so, get paid to block, Cody. He gets paid to score touchdowns and win national championship games. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, but as we're doing, as we're going to continue with Kelly Bryant as a starter, like, like de facto starter, then we, we do need some good tight end blocking. And, and Garrett Williams can bring you that. And, like, it's not that it's not that he's going to be a great pass catcher. It's just that Madeline Richard hasn't set the bar so high yet. And like you said, I hope he he goes further this year and takes it to the next level. But he hasn't set the bar so uh, high that Garrett Williams can't be everything that Madeline Richard is in the as a pass catching uh, tight end and still provide that like you know we'll say plus grade blocking ability. We've also got a true freshman that we'll talk about here shortly who could be turning some heads. Um, let's flip it over to the defense before we close this out defensive line. Um, hmm, I don't know. What should we talk about there? Well, we've got probably the four best players on the team returning. Brent, uh, Brent Venables is upset because they're, they're 
taking photos for Sports Illustrated. Like ESPN comes like every other day. If that's your biggest concern about the defensive line, then um, let's turn the corner, move on. Turn, turn the page. We're going to be just fine there. The, the main thing there is how much depth we have this year. It'll be interesting to see a lot of these uh, underclassmen and how much they've improved coming off their redshirt season or coming off injuries. Um, Albert Huggins, the co-starter. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, actually, that'll be interesting to see him. You mentioned that he mentioned that he said last year he played most of the season under 50%. It'll be, it's going to be scary for opposing offenses for him to be playing at 100%. So We'll talk about that first uh, line, for the first stringers, and uh, like Dex is a big one. I, I will be interested to see guys like Jordan Williams and Niles Pinkett at that defensive tackle position, of course. We'll talk about Xavier Thomas on the end, but Xavier Kelly, Justin Foster, Logan Rudolph. Um, those are guys I'm, I'm interested to see as well, like because they will be playing in second quarters, third quarters, um, and I will not be turning off my TV or or uh, grabbing a bite to eat. I'll, I'll be watching the game through and like, through the duration. Yeah, and the defensive tackle position in particular, um, just because with the loss of Josh, Josh Bell, him flipping over to South Carolina, you know that was a guy that they expected to get some playing time this year, and that that deletes your depth for the future. So. Um, you're right. Seeing what guys like Williams and Pinkney can do because they're going to be very important next year. Both of those guys have turned heads in practice. So, like, for them to be really, really good college players in, in short order will not be a, a surprise. I, I expect big things from them. Okay. And at linebacker, uh, you know, kind of speaking of the defensive line, you know, overshadowed by all of the talk around those four guys coming back has been Kendall Joseph. You haven't heard a peep out of anybody here in the offseason. Um, about the value that he adds. I mean, Venables doesn't have anything to say about him because there's nothing bad to say about him. Um, you know what to expect from him. He's going to be a leader in that defense, and it's just kind of shocking to me now as I think about it. We haven't mentioned him much at all. Yeah, and he'll, he'll be the one guy that I, I w- I'm going to wave his flag because he's quietly, he's been, but this is his third year as a starter now. He'll By, by this, assuming he's, he maintains good health, he'll be one of the best Clemson linebackers of all time, and that's not... That's not hyperbole. He's he's had that kind of career. He's been a part of a championship, maybe a, another playoff team, and maybe a second championship. He'll have that ability. Like he's been great. Now, he, physically, he doesn't have the NFL attributes. We'll say um, he could play in the NFL, but right now, like he's just going to be one of your great college players. That's that might be his ceiling. Um, this group as a whole, like it, it's just taking a back seat. You know, given the quarterback stuff, the wide receiver, you. Uh, of course, defensive line you or well, just the defensive line that is. The the linebackers are very good. We're talking about Trey Lamar is like number two on the depth chart, which I don't think that's. I think that was just kind of like a you know something to s- set a fire under his butt, which nope, I don't nope. know that he needed it. Nobody but wants JD Davis to be the starter. Why is everybody hating on I him? I, I think you just when you have Trey Lamar on your team, you you want him to be the starter more so than. Uh, one of the Davis twins. I'm happy for the Davis twins. Everybody, everybody's been knocking them, and they could be uh, significant contributors to a national championship team this year. Just saying. Absolutely. And, and then you have Jamie Skoski, who could be a starter on a lot of teams. He's a really good player. Chad Smith's a really good player. Both of these guys are veterans that are your backups. This linebacker group is is. It's damn good. I don't know what else to say about it. So the the key position there, you know, they've got ideally they're going to have Isaiah Simmons at the the nickel Sam position this year, and that's all contingent upon the fact that the safeties stay healthy and we find a little bit of depth um, to back them up, so Isaiah Simmons doesn't have to make the switch back to safety. So switching onto the defensive backs, um, obviously the the depth of safety is concerned. Tanner Muse, 
we really don't know how much he is going to pro- progress from what we saw from him last season. He got riddled with injuries there at the end of the year, and he had some blown coverages when he was in there. So see what we get out of him. And then as far as the cornerbacks are concerned, we have three really good guys um, returning at cornerback, but what do we have behind them? Do you want to start talking about the freshmen? Not quite yet. Okay, well, we have Lee Anthony Williams. Um, well, let's start from the top. You have the two, the two, the three guys, Mark Fields, Trayvon Mullen, who I expect to take an, a leap this year. I expect him to be an All-American caliber player, and he's probably gone after this season. But then you have Mark Fields and, and, and A.J. Terrell, who were both good in their own right, and A.J. Terrell was a five-star player. I expect a lot. I mean, that's a lot of top-end talent. It's You could you know worry about Lee Anthony Williams as your number four guy. Yeah, the freshman coming in. I'm not worried about the position group. I, I'm worried more about safety. And and there you have okay. So you have Tanner Muse, like you said. You have Kevon Wallace, who is has, has been great. He's been really good his whole career, and I expect big things from him. Um, Denzel Johnson. I, I if he can be a reliable backup. Nolan Turner. Both of those guys. I mean, they're just going to be. They're going to be what they're going to be. They're they're low upside. Hopefully reliable guys that have been in the program long enough to understand things and not blow assignments. Isaiah Simmons, uh, by the way, switching Isaiah Simmons from from like the Sam spot to safety spot, we, we think of it like it's plug and play, but that's not how safety works. It, it requires more. I think it requires a little bit more um, preparation, and, and he'll, he'll need those reps. That's that's not such a good thing. If you're going to put him at Sam, he stays at Sam. Well, I in yes, in an ideal situation. Um, I just want to say here how big, and this is proven, you know, it was proven last year, it was going to be proven even more so this year. How big was the coup to get Mullen and Wallace there at the end of the recruiting cycle a couple years ago? Yeah, it's like that's you. Where are we now without them? We're in a bad place. Um, yeah, so that was a pretty big deal, and we expect a lot out of them this year. I mean, the front line guys, super talented. I mean, we can talk about it all day, but it's the depth that we're building behind that. And going back to what you were saying, a lot of that is going to have to do with the incoming freshmen. So with that, let's turn this conversation over to the incoming freshmen this year for the 2018 Clemson Tigers. Okay, so we've broken this conversation down into three tiers with these freshmen. Um, we've got the guys that are certainly going to play. Um, some under-the-radar guys who... Uh, some may expect to play, some may not expect to play, but it's kind of a gray area. And then guys that we are pretty sure are likely to redshirt. So just want to mention real quick, we're not going to get too deep into the redshirt guys. Um, there's four of them. Justin Maskell, defensive end. Jordan McFadden, offensive tackle. Uh, Darnell Jeffries, a defensive tackle. And Jake Venables. We all expect them to redshirt. I think you can definitely see guys like Justin Maskell, Darnell Jeffries, take advantage of the newly implemented uh, four-game redshirt rule. Um, and, you know, some of the under-the-radar guys may eventually too, but we'll get to them. But uh, talented guys, uh, Darnell Jeffries especially, a guy that we hope plays above um, – I guess his expectations or whatever his ranking was. He had like a three star. Well, some services high three star, yeah. some services low four star. But uh, but yeah, he seems like he needs that seasoning uh, depth. Obviously, uh, for next year, depth for next year could could be the reason to burn the red shirt. Yeah, we're just so deep there, and there's a lot of development that still needs to happen. But as we go into next year, um, he could be number three by default. Uh, we're going to expect a lot out of him. So this is a very important season for him. Um, 
So let's start with the guys and really dig into the guys that we know are going to play. And let's pick up where we left off at the conversation, the defensive backs. Let's talk about Kyler McMichael and Mario Goodrich. Uh, both these guys, you know, before they even set foot on campus, uh, and they were probably sold this during the recruiting process, is that they're both expected to play this year and actually play meaningful minutes um, because we are so thin um, at the cornerback and safety position. And both these guys can play cornerback safety, nickel and dime. Um, they're all talented. They're both physically ready. I think right now Kyler McMichael has the leg up as far as being mentally prepared um, to play right off the bat. But uh, we've heard good things from uh, Brent Venables about Mario Goodrich's, um, how quickly he's been able to pick things up. So these are two guys certainly to focus on, and they're definitely going to play this year. Yeah, we were originally, what, uh, the thing that surprised me most is like with Kyler McMichael, we knew good things about him. He was just a stud, a guy that could, was just a damn good football player. He could have played Division One as a running back. We heard about his speed. I, I And we know Mario Goodrich is a speedster too. Apparently, McMichael, they're they're talking about him as one of the fastest guys that's ever stepped that's foot ever on campus. Through there, yeah, like, that, that, I mean, that's that's. I think that's more of like change change of direction speed. Like I, I think he's sticking at cornerback, and the whole time, I think most people were thinking he might slide over to safety because he he has the physical, he has the body, but he only put on he didn't put on much weight. So he came in, I think, at one, like a, a pretty low weight, and that was that was very much intentional. He and you'll see a lot of the the safeties putting a lot more pounds than the especially in our system than the cornerbacks. Dude wants to play cornerback, and if he's as good as they say he is, and he's fast as they say he is, he's going to play. Um, so I, I think, and mentally, mentally, instinctively, I hear he is, he is, he's up there. He's beyond a freshman. So I think, uh, I think he's ready. Mario Goodrich might need a little bit more uh, development, but he's also he's he's going to have a chance too. Yeah. Well, the thing is about these guys; they're both tall, long, uh, physical corners. The the type of which Clemson likes to bring in you know we've talked about in years past about one of the advantages that clemson's wide receivers have um against opposing teams uh secondary is just how much taller they they are um you know you got guys six five six four going out there running up against guys that are five ten you know dbs can get five eight five nine five ten in college football um so to see clemson uh, you know so the counteraction to that if you're playing against clemson is to bring on these taller uh, DBs. Well, that's harder to do if uh, Clemson's signing them all. So uh, I think part of that philosophy is what they've learned from the Clemson offense and the wide receivers over the years. So that's interesting to see. So yeah, both these guys uh, physically ready. I think uh, fans are going to be really excited what they see out of them here in the short term. I think you're going to see a lot of hard hits, some really great moments, but they're true freshmen. You're going to see some mistakes. Uh, but with this defense, uh, you're going to be able to afford that this year. I think so. It'll be a good year to get the get their legs under them because next year, and we'll talk about this when we have Andrew Booth uh, as our as our recruiting guy, uh, as you know, talking about him in recruiting. Like, there's going to be they're going to be on islands a little bit more, so it'll be good for them to get their sea legs under them. And and uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep wondering what's going to happen at safety. Um, like like who's going to slide over there? But uh, between the two of them. Not, or, not or no, between, yeah, between someone. Someone's right. going to have to move over there or split snaps. Um, Kayvon Wallace was splitting snaps at cornerback because we had the the opposite problem was true, I guess you could say, last year. So, um, but he's going to obviously be your clear cut starter at safety this year. So, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it, it's good to see these guys are. We knew what we were getting recruiting. They're they're super talented, like you said. They're super long. Everyone's over six feet. 
it's a good looking bunch. Yeah, well, and it's good to hear that these guys are going to be cross training too, because when you are thin at both the cornerback and safety positions, it's good to have guys who are flexible who can switch over when needed. Um, ultimately, where they where they take too quick, quickest, where they adapt, that's going to come into factor, especially when you're talking about them playing meaningful minutes. But they're also going to be playing garbage time minutes. So whether it's at cornerback, whether it's at safety, the more time these guys have on the field as a true freshman, it's going to pay off in the long run, not just years down the road, but we talk about this often, these true freshmen coming in, what they look like day one can change drastically between what they look like from then and the end of the season. And Clemson is playing meaningful games at the end of the season now. Um, so that matters. Okay, keeping it on the defensive side of the ball, let's move on to uh, Xavier Thomas here. Um, this guy's a freak. He'd probably be starting on every other college football team in the country. Hell, he might be starting for the Cleveland Browns coming into the season. Um, he comes in 6'3", 270. He is certainly physically ready to play. He is hes a specimen. He's, a, he's an impressive person to look at, I would say, uh, when you're judging uh, you know, football physiques. Cody, uh, you're, you're very knowledgeable about that. Um, the fortunate thing with his, him is, is he's going to be able to be brought on pretty slowly because of the depth. I mean, they're going to be able to fine-tune him. He's going to get playing time this year, and he's going to be a monster force to be reckoned with next year, but um, it is a luxury to be able to bring him on a little bit more slowly. Yeah, you can think of it in terms of development, and you could say the same for K.J. Henry, who will, who will be probably the next guy in line to talk about. But uh, for Xavier Thomas, like, yeah, you can make fun of me with the physiques and things, but there's not all defensive ends are created equally. Like, it's funny how Clue and Farrell and Austin Bryant are similar. Neither one of them are Vic, Vic Beasley. And it, every Clemson fan knows how exciting it was to watch Vic Beasley. I'm not saying Xavier Thomas is Vic Beasley. He, he's not quite that fast twitch. But he is more... because well, He's, he's incredibly fast off the ball. Yeah, we, we prioritized uh, a little bit of height at defensive end. There's a lot of reasons for that. He's a little bit, he's a little bit shorter. Um, he's six three. Uh, he's but he's more of a bull rusher. He's got he's learned some technique with IMG uh, in his last year. He learned he got coached up and he needed that. Um, he's taken his game to another level and he he is something like he will be something to behold uh, this year, not not next year. Yeah, I mean he still needs to learn what to do with his hands. He's got some technique things that he needs to work on. But all that aside, it, it, the deficiencies pale in comparison to to the upside of what he already has. Um, skill set wise as a football player again any other year any other team we he would be getting 400 snaps he's not going to get that this year I'd probably still see him over 200 um, for sure Absolutely, especially yeah. with all the garbage time that you're going to see being racked up by players on both sides of the ball this year but um, you know as far as the defensive defense is concerned this is the gem of the class we think about it like this like 200 snaps that's a fair goal for a guy, you know, yeah. that, that's as talented. Given our depth, it's kind of, it's actually going to be tough to find 200 snaps. But let's say, you know, well, God forbid, uh, Clinton Farrell is, goes down. Clinton Farrell goes down. Uh, I think he's a guy, like, when you're really considering that next guy up, who who can give us that, like, high-level grade, he might be your guy. And you, you're, you don't even, like... Yeah, but what do you make of the fact, though, that they've actually got him beside, uh, behind Austin Bryant on the strong side? You got KJ Henry behind Farrell. Yeah, well, the whole weak side, strong side thing, the way Clemson plays it is more of a right versus left versus a strong, more filled versus weak, shorter filled. I know that's confusing for some for some people, but 
Um, but what it means is he could he can play either. He can be a guy that can set the edge, um, but he can also but he's always going to be like just because he's on the right or left side doesn't matter. He's still going to be a pass rusher. He's going to like and honestly, if you put him against a right tackle, that's where you're you're going to find an inferior tackle. You're going to put you're generally going to put your 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 Mitch Hyatt on your left side. He's going to have a mismatch. He might he might really rack up some stats that might that might actually play to his benefit. Well, he's currently fourth on the depth chart, uh, sitting behind Bryant, Chris Register, Logan Rudolph. So that doesn't mean that he's going to get any less playing time than any of the other two guys ahead of him this year. I think Chris Register will log more snaps. We'll see between Thomas and Rudolph um, how that plays out. But bottom line is he's going to see the field a lot this year, and next year he's going to be a household name. Um, Switching over to the offensive side of the ball, um, as players, we know we're going to see the field this year. Trevor Lawrence, we're not going to talk about him because we already have, and we know we have three scholarship quarterbacks. He better see the field. Um, so let's talk about the wide receivers. We touched on them a little bit. Uh, Justin Ross, we already spoke about. He comes in, 205 pounds, physically ready, at 6'4". He's an ideal nine-man. He's got a combination of size, speed, athleticism, and physicality that Clemson values at that position. That being said, he's got three really good guys ahead of him. You could see this, uh, the coaching staff potentially move him around, uh, possibly part of some four wide receiver sets, maybe playing a little bit in the, the, the two position um, on the wide receiver this year just to get him on the field. But we, we've seen this before. Clemson will play nine wide receivers throughout a game. He's going to see the field this year. He's going to get his reps. He, he's, it's, it's crazy. You get, you get T. Higgins in one year and Justin Ross in the next they're, they're probably going to... Well, what's crazy? Let me pause you there. What's yeah. crazier is you get T. Higgins one year and Justin Ross the next is that these guys don't shy down from that competition. They don't care that the top-rated five-star wide receiver in the country went to Clemson the year before. They're up for the competition. We are. This is wide receiver you. I mean, we've been saying it for years, but it's hard to deny at this point. Well, like, all right, so you can't say that Trevor Lawrence had... Like, they knew that there was going to be a good pass thrower in the mix. There are going to be some balls to go around. Like, they knew it. So that, that that's part of it. But also, for what you got to do for Justin Ross, I believe, is because he needs some refinement in his route running. He was a, a deep threat in high school. I think you need to put him on, put him in the five, uh, in the five man where that's that's your slot guy. He's going to learn a little bit more about route running. Um, that way, you can put him and T Higgins, or you do some five, uh, some four, excuse me, wide receiver sets, and you're going to get both those guys on the field. And uh, man, again, can you imagine Overton, Higgins, and Justin Ross out there at the same time? With Frank Ladson <laughs> on the way next coming year, coming in next year, like what does yeah, that set look like? It's a lot of tallness. Like there's like Hunter Renfro is a dying breed of five ten five ten receiver. Well, what you do is you put those three guys out there with Hunter Renfro, and then you run some play. One of them just picks Hunter up in the air. <laughs> Kelly Bryant throw the ball fourteen feet in the air to still catch it. Um. So yeah, Justin Ross. He just came on campus. He was not uh, an early enrollee. Uh, by all accounts, he's uh, he's looked like what the coaches expected him to be. Um, Coach Sweeney says he's got great coachability. Uh, he's hungry for it, and he they, they really see him applying what he's learning in practice. Um, again, so many established players in front of him, but he's going to see the field a lot this year. And the only thing I'll say about Kendrick is he he's going to be he's going to have his his stuff cut out for him because Mari Rogers was just like mentally ready when he was eighteen, and then you had Cornell Powell who. He's been in the system for two years now. And we're hearing good things about Cornell Powell, but let's switch it over to Darren Kendrick now. He was an early enrollee, um, 6'1", 190. 
This kid has no fear. He's a competitor. He wants to be out there, and he's been turning heads since uh, uh, day one. Um, there's been a comparison made to last year where we've seen T. Higgins just force-fed balls uh, downfield. You could see the same thing happen with Kendrick uh, this year. Just getting – he's a playmaker. Get your stars the ball and see what they can do. He, well, he's a playmaker at the two, which is a little bit little bit different, but he, he's he's more of your Sammy Watkins two. If you think of the two, you think, you think of Artavis Scott, you think Rary. I'll, I'll take Sammy Watkins. Yeah, well, yeah. Sammy could be amazing at the nine almost, but – uh, but what, what you what you think with him is like he's got so much upside. But if he if there's anything like any like you got you have safe options when you talk about Powell and and Amari Rogers, he's going to be your probably your highest upside too. If, if he shows you that he can't keep up, or you you, you start to scale down his level of uh, targets or his level of playing time, but he's definitely a guy that's going to be more in the Sammy Watkins mold. I compare him, and we'll see if this is true. What he looks like on film is Rary McLeod, but taller and probably more explosive I'm, and i don't think that's again i don't think that's hype i really I've, I've heard a lot of great things about his speed well and talking about that um i think the return game is somewhere where you can really see him make an impact this year he's um reports are that he's again we said he has no fear he has no fear in the return game he looks like a um a natural returner obviously you got amari rogers and hunter renfro in front of him, but expect to see him make an impact there this year, especially punt return. You don't really want Hunter Renfro out there. If you have Hunter Renfro out there returning punts, it's to be safe. Either uh, they're trying to drop the ball within the 20, you want to protect the ball around your goal line, or whoever the other guy is has been fumbling it. So, Murray Rogers. I think he presents Darren Kendrick. The, I think uh, Rogers presents the best in both worlds. In that in that position because he, he can be safe. I think you trust him, but also he's got he's got some breakaway. He's got some lateral quickness, ability to get upfield. Well, all I'm saying tackles. is we're going to be returning a lot of punts this year uh, with this defense. So you're going to see uh, several guys get some uh, some returns, and I expect Gamari is your guy ultimately. And then nothing against Hunter Renfro. He'll 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 catch his uh, you know touchdown passes to win the championships and stuff like that. But yes, for now, will. like get, let's let Amari have that that's that position. Um, okay, flipping it over uh, to or onto the offensive line here. Uh, Jackson Carmen comes in. He came in at 370 pounds, down to 338. So he lost the weight that they needed him to. There was a concern that he came in um, overweight. He's going to begin uh, the preseason working at left tackle. They eventually want to cross-chain him, but I think Robbie Caldwell just wants to make sure he learns one position and gets that down first. Uh, five-star athlete, 10-star uh, personality uh, by all accounts. So... He's going to get playing time this year. Probably, maybe not as much as we might have thought. It's not going to be a, a Mitch Hyatt situation coming as a true freshman. Obviously, he's not going to be starting. But well, this goes to show why, why Mitch Hyatt was the most important of the, of the big four that all returned the 2015 class. We know we know those guys because, like with, with Jackson Carmen, like you hope you can get the same like Mitch Hyatt, you know, 2015 production, but that's, that's again, that's an exception. It's an exception. It's not the rule. And, uh, and I think with, with, with Carmen, you can bring him along now because he is going to need a year. He's going to need, I, th- I still think he can be great by 2019, but I don't think, I don't think I, I, in a pinch, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I want him as my left tackle in our national championship game right now. Yeah, and Tiger Illustrated actually pointed out that they think that uh, his best shot for uh, substantial playing time and relevant duty this year is to make the move to guard. 
here this season and then focus on tackle next year because behind Mitch Hyatt, they've got Vincent and Carmen listed, Car- Carmen being the, the, the third string. But what would most likely happen is if Hyatt went down, they'd bring Ankrum over to left tackle, fill his spot at right tackle. So essentially Carmen's fourth on the depth chart. And, and then you have Pollard, who I really like the move of moving him inside into guard. And I think that's where he's going to make a, a career, a professional career out of that. But he did play right tackle in a national championship game as a true freshman. So it's not to say that he couldn't do the same thing. Exactly. As a, so as you, a junior, you switch so, anchor yeah. over left tackle, move Pollard over to right tackle, right. fill in the you blank. Your right yeah, you get your best guys out there. Yeah. yeah. That being said, this, this kid is uh, probably still going to be a three-year player um, and a huge talent. Again, 6'6", 340 right now. If he can keep that weight down, he's, I mean, he's got the speed even to that weight. Um, so a huge pickup for the Clemson Tigers, you know, as little as we're as thin as our offensive line recruiting has been and our depth is when you, when you get a guy, you need to hit on them. And this is a guy that we all expect we hit on. Um, and to, to wrap it up here for the guys that we expect are definitely going to play this year, a kicker, you know, my favorite thing to talk about, we got BT Potter, uh, we expect him at the very least to come in here and take the 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 kicking the kickoff duties this year. Um, he's got a huge leg, um, and the more you increase touchbacks and make opposing teams drive from the twenty five yard line against this defense, the harder is it going to be. It's already hard enough for them to score, but that makes it even harder. So it's not just though. I mean, we he's going to have a, a say in the kicking game and the place kicking game and field goals. You got of course Hugel and Alex Spence coming back vying for the starters role, but you may see Potter kind of transition into your your long field goal kicker this year. Anything past maybe like 45, 50 yards. You've known Hugel, his 45 to 50 range is not that great. Alex Spence struggled with anything over 40 last year. So you could see him start to to carve out a role there. And uh, he's also he's also punts. So he's been working on that too. So I think at the very least you're going to see him on the field um, uh, in kickoff duties and whatever happens from there remains to be seen. Between the added uh, depth and the talent that we see on the roster that I talked about earlier in the show, in terms of it just kind of proliferating throughout the roster and everyone's a little bit better, that's helping on special teams. We've employed we've employed those starters or those second teamers on special teams more actively, more willingly. You get you get that plus you get a couple of talented kickers. Like special teams is completely turned to like it's a complete one eighty from what it was two years ago, three years ago. They needed to. Yeah, they, they absolutely needed to. We, I mean, yeah, we know what happened in fifteen. So, uh, yeah, kudos to the coaches. Um, so that wraps it up from the guys that we expect to play this year. Let's move on now to the guys that are a little bit under the radar. Some we still expect to play. Some we're told we should not expect to play, but things that we're hearing could change that. Um. Again, let's start here uh, on the defense side of the ball. Mike Jones Jr., he was an enrol- early enrollee. He's a linebacker coming in at 231. Um, he's a bit of an under-the-radar storyline worth monitoring. You know, I think as the, out of the all the true freshmen coming in with the defense, the focus has been on McMichael and Goodrich, of course, because of the needs in the secondary, but then also Xavier Thomas just because of his stature. Uh, but Mike Jones Jr. is a guy who he really flashed during the spring game, and he's... He's a guy that, that loves to hit and play fast, right in the mold of what Vin, Brent Venables wants. Yeah, he's perfect for the Sam Nichols like position because, I mean, he, by the way, I think his dad played in the NFL, so a good pedigree as well. So yeah. he's, he has good instincts. I think he played safety, um, but he was always a good tweener. He's a little bit too big to play safety in high school. So and he played for IMG, so he wasn't playing. He was playing against the greatest competition. So 
uh, moves to linebacker. I think I think he played the majority linebacker in his senior year. So I think he's just he's prime. He's perfect for that that Sam Nichols spot where like we need some depth there. We need to be able to move Isaiah Simmons so, back to safety if you need to. Yeah, yeah. And, and but we haven't seen. It's not uncommon. We we saw Travis Blanks do well there. His because it, it, it's more instinctive. Safety's dip more difficult like, to play as a freshman. Uh, but we saw. Blanks do it. We saw Corin Wiggins do it. So, like, it's not out of the, the realm of possibility that he could come in and at least be a, a, a stopgap or even just provide quality depth as a, a second guy um, or, you know, maybe after Jalen Williams. Yeah, so, I mean, I tend to think that because of uh, the, the situation with Simmons and leaving kind of shallow depth there at the, the Sam Nickel position that you will see Jones play this year. He's going to get playing time. Um, and I don't think he ends up being a, a four-game-and-done guy. I think you expect him to play throughout the year. Um, with his role increasing, um, at least in how meaningful, how many meaningful snaps he's playing, increasing towards the end of the year. Yeah, for, I mean, it would be great to see him. He strikes me as a guy, again, because of his pedigree, because he played at IMG, as a guy that could could be a linebacker that is is ready to go, that hits his... You know, it hits a bit of a ceiling early, and that, that's what we need, frankly. Um, all right, so K.J. Henry, defensive end. Uh, we talked about him a little bit already. He's the uh, the other five-star defensive end that came in with Xavier Thomas. Um, the concern about, well, not so much of a concern, but the expectation of him that he was definitely probably going to have to redshirt this year uh, because of his weight. He came in at 235. He is up to 250. Um, he's got a tall frame, so he has more room to fill that out. We expect eventually that he's going to end up at uh, about 275 pounds. Um, with Austin Bryant coming back and now Richard Yergin getting an extra year, which we haven't talked about, but it looks like with the redshirt rule that he may get an extra year. It's kind of an ideal situation to be able to groom K.J. Henry. There's no immediate uh, need to get him in there right away. Uh, that being said, with his weight, with him coming in um, – uh, having bulked up a little bit more than expected, maybe you can make an argument of how he will avoid a redshirt this year, but I don't expect it. I don't see the need. But I also don't see the reason to redshirt him because I think his potential is where he'll be ultimately, he's going to be immensely talented. And you already see he's at 250, that he's going to fill out the frame. So, like, you get, you get uh, Cleveland. Farrell is an example. Like, he, yeah, he got a red shirt, but he, he you're gonna, you, you, at best, at best, you get a guy for four years, and that includes that's through his red shirt junior season. So you play, you know, you know, you're you're looking at guys that are really gonna stay three to four years. So like, what's the like? But how's that change this year with the where he has the ability to play four games and get the red shirt? I, I mean, I, he gets the well, playing time. That's he gets a good the point. Like, that's not a yeah, that's a good point. It's not a bad point. So like. And we'll I, see how this plays out. This is the first year where this comes into effect. Where it matters is, and Clemson has been known to do this. They've been doing this. You've seen it. It's like pain some a lot of a lot of people that are, like a lot of the fans. They they want to get the guy the guys in for next year, and they're 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 always thinking a year ahead, and they're doing that while they're playing Boston College, while we're playing. I don't want to say Syracuse because they beat us, but while we're playing these lower level teams, that's what they're doing. So he's he's going to get his reps, and you're going to need him for next year. And and you want him to be what he can be by next year, and if he is that, he's going to be gone by the next the year after that. So, so like, why redshirt? So let me ask you a philosophical question. Um, given that you do have this new rule now, where players can play up to four games um, and still be able to receive a redshirt, do you waste um, a game on these guys for Furman? 
or do you insert them against better competition? So the four games that they do play, you get to kind of maximize um, their experience and who they're playing against. Like, what's the point of playing them against Furman? Yes, if they're going to play all year, it makes sense. But if you only get four games, do you play them against, you know, the next tier teams up from Furman, like South Carolina or Wake Forest? I'm sure there'll be some creative, like, staggering and how they would look at, like, uh, maybe they want to find a good chunk of their other season uh, schedule where they feel like they can get in some more meaningful reps. I don't know. I, I don't know. And I don't know about the rules, by the way. I don't know if they, like, want to, like, prohibit or have some kind of ways where they can they can make sure that doesn't happen. But I... Well, again, this is all speculation. Yet, we don't know because this is the first time, this is the first year this rule's been into effect. Um, and this thought just popped into my head. So we'll see how that part yeah. of it plays out. Like, But, if, but if I don't me- think... I think that's a Darnell... Like, Darnell Jeffries is the perfect... You're playing like, against he's, Furman. He's the perfect use case for the four-game the, the four, uh, retro rule. Right. I, don't, I don't think that's K.J. Henry because I don't think he's going to be around more than four years. Well, and if we'll you're see. not, we didn't think uh, you're talking three, about five-year players. We didn't think three of our four defensive linemen this year would be around for four years. So, but but no, that's different. That's different because Cleveland Farrell is the perfect example. He redshirted, but at most you get four years out of him. At most you get that redshirt junior year. You don't you, like it would be just crazy. It's crazy that he came back for one year. It'd be crazy to think that he came back for a fifth year. If you don't need him, don't play him. Because you have to think: Is this guy? When you look at this guy, is he going to be around for five years? And when I see KJ Henry, like, no, no way that guy's going to, like, that's the only question I have to ask. If people are not good with numbers out there. Well, the question years. is, it, the question is, that's if, if you're going to use that red shirt. The question is, if you are playing him, who is not getting to play? And I, I look at guys like Justin Foster and Xavier Kelly, and even Richard Jurgen, who's got another year of eligibility after this year, is maybe more valuable to them get, considering they have less time. I take the upside guy. I, I like, can we get a guy that's going to be an All American next year? I don't know. Maybe KJ Henry will be that. We'll trust and see what Brent Venables does because at the end of the day, he's smarter than both of us. Okay, so for the record, I've got Henry redshirting. Cody has him playing throughout the year, avoiding a redshirt. We'll see where that goes. Shall we place a wager on it, Cody? You've yet to pay up on any of the bets we've made thus far. Yeah, if if I can undo all the bad bets that I've made by KJ Henry redshirting, then yes, it's like, yeah, well, I don't know. Well, Brent Venables... I don't get some consideration for defensive coordinator of the year. Like that's pretty, I'm not, it, it, pretty high probability. So yeah, I'll take it. Okay. Well, let's end this by talking about a couple guys on offense um, that are a little bit under the radar this year, uh, but we think could make an impact. Uh, started the tight end position. We hinted at this earlier, but uh, Braden Galloway, he was early enrollee. He comes in 6'6", 225. This kid was a steal as a three-star recruit. I think heavily under the radar. Um, a lot of people are considering him a more athletic version of Jordan Leggett. He's physically ready to play. Uh, the question is, how much does he uh, learn the playbook? He did miss uh, a little bit of spring practice, a cover- recovering from a foot injury, but when he was out there, he flashed. Yeah, and then, like the thing with Jordan Leggett, the comparison, it, like Leggett's limitations were never his athleticism or his skill set. It, it was, was always mentally. Blocking. Well, blocking was always a problem as well, but like. It was always mental for him, and it, for Galloway, he seems. I think he's just more mature. He played quarterback. He was a good quarterback. He's a, probably a better overall athlete than Leggett, and and probably like a little bit more headstrong. So, this guy, I mean, uh, the coaches feel really good. They know they hit on this one, and it's just a matter of time because of his injury history. Yeah, you know, as talented as we are and deep at wide receiver, this offense really kind of takes it to a next level when they have a tight end who can. 
uh, be really effective and a weapon in the passing game. And we didn't see that last year. Missing Jordan Leggett was a, you know, again, we talked about all the little things that could have contributed, not just Kelly Bryant to the passing game. Tight end was one of those things. Mylon Richard, he was serviceable. He improved over the previous year. Uh, but Braden Galloway is the first guy in, in, in some time that we think could really sooner rather than later make an impact. Now on the death chart, he sits behind uh, Richard Garrett Williams, uh, uh, Chad Smith, and J.C. Chalk. Um, but he has the opportunity to play more than just those four games. We definitely expect all these guys to play their share of the four games under the redshirt rule. But he could stick around um, as long as the schematic portions of, um, of the offense stick with him and he's able to learn and grow. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy at all to think of him as uh, as as a as a, as a piece as a, as a part of this team and, and a contributor. I, I don't. I think I think he's ready. It's just a matter. Like, yeah, there's some parts, like you said, schematically or, or blocking that he's gonna have some trouble. But I think he'll be just fine. And he presents a a, a quality and a, a bit of utility that we don't have otherwise. Could he be the ETN of the tight ends this year? Oh, but let's segue because I think there is another ETN in his own right at a similar position group. It's almost like I planned that. Lynn J. Dixon, um, he sits behind four of the guys on the depth chart right now. He looks the part early. All expectations were that this kid would come in, he would take a year to get groomed to get seasoned, and he would take a red shirt. Um, however, he's come in stronger than we expected him to be. He played most of high school in the the high 170s, he's up to 192 pounds. He's, has, he's got a great first step. He looks like a natural runner. They compare him a lot to ETN, whereas if he sees green, he's going to get to it, whether or not that's the right place for him to run. Uh, so the biggest question with him may be, you know, does he grasp the playbook? Yeah, it'll be that'll be the defining factor for him. But what, what's interesting is, is, well, for one, he's, he's not ETN. Like, like no one, when have you ever seen a runner like ETN? Never. Like yeah, he he's just he's a different dude, but with Lin J Dixon, he's he's more he's he's more he's got great vision, great instincts as a runner. You can't Etienne's more raw, but he's like it's two cycles in a row now where we've got what what are really three star players, and it looks like we've hit on them. And like at a position it, where we've we've struggled, especially against yeah. a team like Georgia, who's just raking in five star running backs, and we're taking you know low four star guys. Etienne was a three guard, high three star. Etienne came in as what was supposed to be Feaster's career backup, and, and we've seen how that's been. Like he that. was a late take. We can already see how the tables have turned. He's he looks like he might be the next All American running back at Clemson, and, and I think Lynn J. Dixon. I, I like we'll we'll pump the brakes on his ultimate upside. Um, I don't think he has quite the raw talent of Etienne, but like just yeah, two two cycles in a row where you, I think you get complementary skill sets too because yeah, he he is going to be more out of the backfield. He's going to be a little bit more of a scat back he and catch the, the ball out position. of the back. Yeah, that's the strength of his, which right. the, 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 this team has lacked the past few years. And I, and I think he's more knowledgeable in in terms of grasping a system and and, and being a a, a, um, a running back blocking, uh, knowing picking up the system, but we'll, we'll see how that, how that plays out. Well, another thing know. that's benefited him too is uh, Tavian Feaster has been limited so far um, here in the early portion of camp due to an injury, uh, some, just some lingering stuff. So Dixon's been getting uh, more reps with the second team. So that of course will, will, will benefit him. So it'll be interesting. Um, again, a lot of people coming in expected that he was going to get a red shirt. We'll see where that goes. You know, uh, outside of the top three guys, Feaster, Etienne, and Adam Choice. You got Darian Rencher as the kind of the de facto four-string guy. 
Um, can Lynn J. Dixon come in and carve out a role for himself? We'll see. Um, but if it's not this year, the next, you know, next year, you know, looking down the road, he's going to have a huge handback for this team. Hard, hard seeing him redshirting just because, I mean, running back, you have, you do have three scholarship players. Hard to see him redshirt. Even if that number, even if he becomes five, I still think you need him as the fifth running back. Yeah, I know. If it was up to it you, sounds no, crazy. If it was up to you, nobody would redshirt, apparently. That's right. You can answer that. Um, okay, so that wraps it up. Um, uh, one more guy you want to talk about, Josh Belk. Where do you see him uh, carving out a role for himself <laughs> in this team this year? I see him in Columbia, apparently. Yeah, he might get in one game at, uh, for the Clemson Tigers. It'll be in Death Valley this year. He'll get to play one game in Death Valley. Is he? It, let me ask you this. Is he going to sit out a year? Because I don't even know the latest. I don't think he's going to have to sit out a year. I haven't been following South Carolina football, but the chatter on TigerNet message boards is that he's come in well, a bit overweight, which is not surprising. Well, let me throw out a hot take. I wish him the best. I hope he has a great year. Yeah. Because he's 18 and he's a kid and he's just trying to figure it out. I, I tend to feel the same way about these kids. You know, there's a lot of weight on these shoulders. And I mentioned this when we were talking about it um, uh, previously um, when he did decide to transfer. Uh, was that I don't blame, I don't look at these kids so much for bad decisions. I look at the adults around them. Possibly. And, you know, it's just, it's tough when you're 18. There's a lot of people pulling you in a lot of directions when you're a top flight, you know, defensive lineman in the South. Like it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, we won't get into that. Yeah. I mean, I, I can count all the good decisions I made when I was 18 on one hand. So, right. Like how many of these people out here, like good for you if you knew everything, had everything figured out at 18, but I didn't. Anyhow, so, yeah, I wish him the best. Good luck against Georgia for the next three or four years. Good luck against Clemson for the next three or four years. True. Uh, all right, so we into that. Uh, those are the freshmen coming in uh, and who will have an impact for the 2018 Clemson Tigers, um, a team that is going to be very good, a team that is already very talented and is only going to be bolstered by a lot of these uh, young, talented freshmen who are ready to see the field right away. So, um, you know, it's not just the excitement of all the guys coming back. It's the guys coming in as this Clemson team continues to reload year in, year out, and the classes get better and better and better. So with that, uh, let's take a look at the 2019 class and some of the highlights from the All-In Cookout. Okay, so the All-In Cookout has come and gone again. Uh, some more fireworks this year. Uh, great pickups, and Andrew Booth, a uh, four-star cornerback, lightly gun ride to a five-star. He's coming out of uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia. Uh, Joseph Nagata, uh, Clemson, goes out and gets a kid from California, four-star wide receiver from Folsom, right down the road from us, not too far, about two hours. Um, Levanta Bentley, a four-star linebacker, um, among uh, you know some other guys that have come in. So the All-In Cookout pays his dividends again this year. How excited are you, though, about Andrew Booth? He is the guy. Uh, QT's man crush, Tiger Illustrated, said he was kind of the, you measure your class on the one guy that you need the most. And based off of need, based off of who this guy is, he might be ranked, you know, top 100 right now, but ultimately I think he's a top 50 and and probably ultimately a five-star player. We needed help at cornerback. We needed help right away. He's exactly what we wanted. Uh, further, he is s- supremely talented. 
like like if you if you did a baseball grade across the scale for him in terms of speed, you know, technique, you would say hips at cornerback. He's going to grade out as a plus if like you know close to an eighty grade at all those. So this sounds very familiar. It sounds exactly what we said about Mario Goodrich and Kyler McMichael. Yeah, I would say he, no. He's a better prospect than both of those guys. Right, but a lot of the, a lot of the same physical tools. Six one one eighty. He needs to put on a little bit of weight, but he's got scythe length technique. He's fast. He's got the instincts. Um, he's a guy that ultimately you'll be able to put out there on an island on a player. Agree with that. I think, yeah, I think physically he's ready. Um, the, the area where he probably differentiates himself is his his instincts. If you had to give him a, a, a 80 grade, a plus, the, the A plus grade, it's his, 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 his instincts. And uh, I think it's going to be tough as any for any quarterback to come in as a freshman and make a contribution right away. He, he should be able to. And given what we have in terms of, uh, you know, the depth chart at cornerback, Trayvon Mullen's likely departing. Mark Fields is uh, exhausting eligibility. He'll he'll be... He'll play early and often next year. Too deep, yeah, at worst, if not starting. Yeah, so that was a huge pickup of the weekend. And, and a good kid, good family, the right makeup. Well, that's pretty typical of all the recruits that uh, Dabo's been bringing in in his tenure. So he was the big standout of the weekend. We also got a commitment from a four-star wide receiver, Joseph Nagata. This is another guy who is likely uh, to to rise to a five-star. Kind of the big storyline here is going in and pulling him out of California. It's not like you know stopping grounds that Clemson goes into often. Um, and bigger deal getting him from University of Washington. Uh, Washington fans, the Huskies fans, very disappointed that they did not land him. There's a Polynesian connection up there in Washington that they thought it was going to play stronger, a lot stronger than it did. But again, Clemson sets its sights on a wide receiver and they get him. Yeah, with, with Nagata, and for one, that's Jeff Scott. Like that guy, uh, his his uh, his hold is not just regional. Apparently, he can he can grab guys wherever. Once he locks in, it's kind of like Venables. He usually gets his guy, and I mean, look at wide receiver you, what it is now. It's because of Jeff Scott. Um, what I would say about Nagata, because you probably you know he's from California, you know he's really good, he's top 50, he's probably going to make his way to a five-star. The only thing I say about him and his skill set is that I, he strikes me as a guy that could play any position. Like, and that's what they say about him, the nine, the five, or the two. Yeah, and not just play any position, because I, don't, I think what he, he's going to be at the five, the slot, um, or the two, uh, the field. I think he'll. I think he could be great any position he played on the field because he's about 6'2", 6'3", great ball skills. But he also has like that yak, that yard after catch, the wiggle that you want. Almost reminds me of Sammy in that regard. He's not skill set-wise the same as Sammy, but could excel at any position. And that, that's where I, I think he's unique. Yeah, it's a guy you talk about his route running. Um, his his uh, kind of sophistication in that is already at a college level. So where a lot of guys, in as much as they have a ton of talent coming in, they struggle with their outrunning or the more conceptual parts of the offense, uh, the intellectual parts of the offense. This is a guy who seems to be um, well-groomed in high school to come in and make an impact and be able to, to to get up to speed on all of this right away. Right. With Hunter Renfro's departure, I think he could he could make a he could make a case for quick playing time at, at the slot um, and, and still get some uh, dual reps at, at the two. Let's let's not talk about. Hunter Renfro's departure. Um, so Nagata, pair him up with uh, Frank Latson coming in next year. Another great core of wide receivers. The the cupboard is not bare, and it doesn't look to be bare for a very long time um, at wide receiver U. Uh, so I mentioned Levante Bentley, four-star linebacker out of Birmingham, Alabama. This is a kid who was waiting on uh, an offer from Alabama, never got it. He's on the shorter side, six feet. 
Um, Alabama sends to stray away from uh, the stature. You know, they like the bigger linebackers. Brent Venables doesn't have a problem with these guys. He's more than happy to to bring this guy into the mix. Yeah, it's more about his system and what he needs, like from a, a skill set and, and schematic standpoint. And and Levante can bring that. You saw what Bowler was. Bowler was like five ten. Uh, Bentley can be the same guy. He's a little bit even, a little bit bigger, a little bit more athletic. And uh, he, he's going to be able to fill those gaps, come downhill, take out the running backs, um, you know, get into his gap assignment. He'll he'll be he'll be good in time. So, uh, in, you know, Alabama's slow playing a guy that's a top 200 prospect. Yeah, we're, we're happy to pick up that four star, you know, top 150 player. We'll take him. Um, yeah, so he joins, an, you know, another handful of guys who come on you know, during the cookout and, and previous between the last time we talked. This is going to be one of the biggest classes that Clemson's had in a while, so we're not going to run down everybody's name uh, right now, probably sometime in December, uh, around that first uh, early national signing day, signing period. We'll uh, do a recruiting episode and really touch on everybody. But um, I know everybody's a little bit concerned about all the three stars that we're getting, but don't worry, everybody. Some of those three stars are going to turn into four stars. Some of those four stars are turn into five stars. Got a top five class right now. Only only worry at offensive line because I, everything else I'm I'm pretty happy. Yeah, with. I, I think but yeah, but little, legitimate concern at offensive line. Yeah, so getting Clay Webb would be huge, but still we expect to take five guys. We've got one. We need to fill out four more slots. Um, we'll see how that plays out over the next few months. Um, but um, kind of the theme of everything we've been saying for the past couple of years, and what I'm going to say right now is the, the future remains very bright uh, for the Clemson football team and other quality class coming in. Uh, you know, guys that are going to hit the field this year and, you know, talking about guys that are going to come in next year and make a difference. So um, the rich get richer, as the saying goes, and uh, I'm feeling pretty wealthy right now. Yeah, because, yeah, we're, we're feeling really good about 18. And uh, if we win just one more championship, you know, I don't care about anything after that um well good because we're gonna win more than one we're uh, building a dynasty Davo is building a dynasty we haven't built anything we built a podcast a four-year park podcast something to be proud of we i think we built this we, we did it it's it's all there's causality here we can point to our start date but uh anyhow um no it, it's 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 an exciting year and what what's funny is like we we started with recruiting thinking this would be the, the kind of the basis of the show and we're more excited about 18 and and, that, and that's good because yeah and hopefully that's come across in kind of our enthusiasm for this year and uh as we move on here into the, the next few weeks if you're familiar with the show if you know this isn't your first time listening and you've listened to us over the past few years uh, we'll probably do one more episode just talking about the storylines of fall camp you know as much as we talked about a lot of these freshmen and how much they flashed so far uh, history has proven they're going to hit a wall. Once these guys put on pads, they get a couple weeks in, they start taking hits, a lot of guys are going to hit a wall. Um, so expect to see that happen. We'll keep up with that. Um, and then we'll get, um, as we get closer to the season, which is very close, by the way, we'll do our defense and offense position group breakdowns and then our predictions for the season. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're excited to get going again here in 2018. For those of us, uh, for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast in a while and you're excited to get back going again, uh, Glad to have you back listening to us. And for any new listeners, welcome. We look forward to having an exciting season with you. And we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to us. Um, I think last year we tried something different where we started giving shout-outs to everybody that was showing us love on the different social media platforms. I think something I want to try this year as we go into our fourth year of the podcast is I want to ask you, 
how long have you been listening to the podcast? Have you been listening since year one when we were terrible? Have you been listening since last year when we were just slightly better than terrible? Let's hear your feedback. It's always good to interact with the people that listen. We appreciate everybody that sent in questions for our mailbag show. I thought that was pretty successful. So yeah, how long have you been listening? Let us know. Yeah, refer us to a friend. We we would appreciate that. You have you could be entered uh, for a chance to win a ten dollar gift card if you do refer us to your friend. Um, you know, kind of full disclosure, we're not going to give out a gift card, but you could at least refer us to a friend. I like how you promise not promise only ten dollars. You could at least say a hundred or something like that. Yeah. So thanks everybody for listening. As we mentioned, if uh, you know interact with us on Facebook or Twitter at Clemson Podcast. Send us an email. It's clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. Please uh, like us on SoundCloud. Leave us a review. Uh, We've been overwhelmed by the amount of reviews that we've gotten, the amount of positive reviews we've gotten on on, uh, on iTunes. Sorry. And then, yeah, you can interact with us on SoundCloud as well or uh, find us on any of your podcasting apps. So once again, Cody and Ben here. Looking forward to a very exciting 2018 season. We'll be back with more in the coming weeks. And as always, go Tigers. (laughs) 